0: T-I-K-A
2: What's going on? Welcome into a play-in game day edition of Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside you, Mike, and offer of Pelicans.com. Pelicans and Clippers tonight from Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles should be a fun one. Win or go home for both sides. Pelicans or Clippers win. They'll take on the Phoenix Sun starting on Sunday night It'll help us preview Tonight's games, a friend of the program, Noah Eagle, radio voice of your Los Angeles Clippers. Noah, good to talk to you, Harry, my friend.
0: Gentlemen, doing well. Excited for tonight. Always great to talk to the two of you. And we've got uh, we've got plenty to
2: break down. So I'm excited. Yeah, let's start with the obvious. Obviously, not the news you wanted, uh not waking up, but just a couple of hours ago about the news of Paul George being out due to health and safety protocols. I guess. The reaction from you and this team, Uh, you were a shoot around about him uh, not being available for tonight's game. Yeah, I think that there is
0: still this sense of calm around the team, which is to be expected because they've basically gone the whole season without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And since acquiring Norman Powell, you can add Norman Powell into that list as well. Paul George played 31 games this year. Only a handful of those came towards the end of the year. He played six of the last eight or so or five of the last seven. I'd have to double check my notes, but last handful came at the very last stretch and Norman Powell only played the three games before getting hurt, then played two of the last three. Kawhi Leonard played zero all season. So this has been a team that's had to galvanize themselves. That's how to come together as this group led by Teron Liu and a great coaching staff and Lawrence Frank and a great front office and certainly Steve Ballmer still providing the energy as well. And they've done a great job of just, Finding ways to win, they finished the season forty-two and forty. Their eleventh straight winning season as an organization, which is the longest active streak in the NBA, and it's thanks in large part to guys like Terrence Mann and Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson and Avitza Zubats and Amir coffee and Luke Kennard, and you go down a long list. And so, I think that while it's not ideal for the team not to have their superstar in a winner-go-home situation. It's a situation they feel like they've been in before. You go back to last year in the second round of the playoffs, they were rolling through the first couple of games, and games three and four against Utah, they really found like they, they felt like they found their stride. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George really, it felt like they finally clicked together. It was that moment of realization of, oh, this is how we're supposed to play when we're on the court together. And then game four, Kawhi Leonard ends up partially tearing his ACL, ruled out, For the rest of the playoffs and i would say most people thought it was a death sentence for the team and i honestly when i got the news i wasn't sure how the team was going to react well they go into utah they win game five they come home go down 25 win game six coming away and then they go to phoenix and they find a way to push that series to six games without Kawhi leonard for a single second and probably had chances to win considering they lost on an alley-oop with point one left in game two they lost very close game in game four that was back and forth the entire way so this is a team that's been here before they're going to rely on that experience
2: and we'll see what the young guys can cook up you mentioned all the guys that have been able to step up and guys that have been there the entire season look you missed 51 games as you mentioned but Who's that one person that might need to do a little bit more tonight for them in order to kind of try to make up for the absence of Paul George?
0: Yeah, I think that the way they play, it's not going to necessarily be one person, but it, it does, I should put it this way. It doesn't have to be one person, but a lot of times it ends up being a certain player that takes center stage, that really finds that spotlight. Whether it's Reggie Jackson or Marcus Morris, those are the guys that are most likely to do it. But if there's one player that I would look out for, it would be Amir Coffey. Amir Coffey has had a breakout season. He was undrafted in 2019, two-way player each of his first three years. Got that two-way deal fully converted towards the end of this regular season. And he's had a couple of games where he has just gone unconscious. He had a 32-point game in Milwaukee. The last game of the regular season, he had 35 where he's knocking down all these threes. There was a stretch in the middle of the season when there was a big COVID outbreak around the NBA in January when the Clippers had an eight game road trip, 15 days, which was the longest they've had in 17 years. And Amir Coffey was basically their primary option and was going out there and scoring 20 plus every night and doing it efficiently. So he's capable and he'll probably come off the bench in all likelihood, but he's going to get legitimate minutes and he didn't play a whole lot in Minnesota. So he's going to be fresh that's the guy that I would look out for as the X factor of unknown almost, because if he comes out there and he is just red hot off the bench, that could be a good thing for the Clippers and some bad news for the Pelicans.
1: You know, we've discussed, you guys have discussed the kind of the resilience that the Clippers have had. Um, One of the things I was curious about from your perspective is not only have they been competitive without Paul George for a big chunk of the season and obviously Kawhi for the entire season, I think they lead the league in wins where they've been down 20 plus points. That's actually one thing that to a lesser degree, the Pelicans have in common with them and that the Pelicans also have a few wins where they've been down, you know, 15 plus. What do you think is it about the Clippers that they've been able to, you know, have that trait where people have kind of joked that, you know, when you're up 20 against them, they have you right where they want, want you to be. I mean, what do you think has been behind that this year?
0: Uh Chick-fil-A, they love Chick-fil-A. No, no. No, I don't think that Chick-fil-A has that type of magic and if it does, maybe they're serving Michael's secret stuff. Yeah, they've got 20 they've got four comebacks of 24 or more points this year, which is the most in a long time in the NBA. They've got five comebacks of 20 or more and they're one of the leaders in double digit comebacks this year, but this dates back now a couple of years. In fact, 3 years ago today, and it's a completely different team. In fact, I think there's only one player of Itzo Zubats that's still left from that team. But 3 years ago today, game 2 of the first round against the Warriors, they had the largest playoff comeback in NBA history of 31 points. Yeah, and then you go back you go back even further than that, Jim. They they came back from 28 down, I believe, against Memphis in the playoffs. So this has been something that's just been a Clipper DNA thing for a long time, but it's been taken to a different level since Teron Liu arrived in the last two years to answer the question, he is a lot of the difference. His calm demeanor on the sideline, no matter the situation, the guys look over, they see him calm, cool, and collected. Cool as a cucumber. And they know, Oh, we're good. No matter what we're okay. And there's never that sense of panic. So I mentioned game six last year against Utah, you're playing the team that had the far and away best record in the NBA through the regular season the number one seed in the playoffs and you go down 25 without your best player without Kawhi Leonard available most teams would say all right look we got one more chance we'll go back to Utah see if we can win a game seven but that wasn't the way this team looked at it they were down 22 at halftime Donovan Mitchell hit like a half court essentially shot to start the third quarter that got it to 25 and from that moment on there was just a different level of focus intensity energy And the building ended up rising to that occasion as well. The the crowd really got involved, and I felt like it pushed them over the top. But there's this sense of calm of, we've been there before, we'll be here again, so let's just keep fighting. And they're going to fight for a full 48 minutes no matter the score, no matter the situation, no matter who's available or who's not available on either side. They understand what's at stake. And so they had a 20-point comeback in which they won by 20 to start the year in Minnesota. They had a 25-point comeback against Denver. Then they had a 24-point comeback against Philly. And it led them to a 35-point comeback against Washington, which was the second-largest comeback in NBA history. And that game, to me, what stuck out, and then there was one more later in the season as well, in which they came back from 25, ironically, again, to the Utah Jazz to beat them at home. The thing that stood out about all of those that I mentioned was defense like every time they have one of these comebacks, their defense, the intensity, the rotations, it all ramps itself up. It all locks into a different level. And so if the defense is working like that, the Clippers feel like they can play any game. And when their defense has been on point this year, they've been pretty much unbeatable. They've been outstanding on the defensive end. You
1: yeah, know, I feel like the jazz are going to spend the offseason lobbying the NBA to have the Clippers not be on their schedule anymore, like kind of in college where all of a sudden a school calls you up and you're not taking their phone calls anymore.
0: Yeah, But I don't yeah. think
1: that's in within the NBA bylaws, but if there is a way that that can happen, I think Utah might pursue that.
0: But yeah. They'll talk to Adam Silver. They'll see if they can <laughs> kick some tires around. Maybe they'll give him some free Chick-fil-A. I don't know. They're <laughs> going to try it. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. But to um, one of the, going back to kind of your roster, um, one of the players that you mentioned was Norman Powell. Um, I thought when he was acquired, you know, during the trade season that he was one of the players that was pretty underrated. There were a lot of people around the NBA that were saying, you know, this is a really good pickup for LA to be able to get him, but obviously he hasn't been able to play that much because of injuries. Um, what, what kind of impact do you think he's made so far? And I mean, how big do you think he could be? Obviously we, uh, this is probably not a secret, but we hope that you, your season does not continue beyond tonight. <laughs> but if it does, what, it, What? I mean, how important do you think he could be for the Clippers?
0: Yeah, he's going to be vital. You know, that trade is, is interesting when you take the step back to look at it because the Clippers gave up, Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, who was their first round pick and draft capital to get Norman Powell and Robert Covington. And at the time, I think a lot of people looked at it as, well, they're getting Norman Powell, which is true because Norman Powell is locked in for the future. He's got four more years after this on his contract. And he's in the prime of his career He's entering the prime of his career. And he's only gotten better each year in the NBA, but Robert Covington's impact has been massive on this team. So while Powell was out, Covington was playing pretty much every night. And he was, he's been outstanding. He is, he's almost taken his career to a different level since joining the Clippers defensively. He's been a menace. So he was the only player in the league this year to have 90 blocks and 90 steals. 90 stocks or bleels. I actually don't mind bleels. A lot of people (laughs) like stocks, but bleels kind of has a nice ring to it. Um, Covington's been awesome, but to answer your question, Jim, Norm Powell is instant offense, so they're gonna they're bringing him off the bench for now. He still has a minutes restriction on him, and what we've seen so far is he's gotten off to these crazy impressive starts to these games. Other night in Minnesota, he went four for four to start the game. And he wasn't, he just wasn't missing. He was three for three from three. And then he finished one for his last five because he got fatigued, which is exactly what you would expect. Sure. I think that whenever he gets fully into shape, whenever he is ready to play a full load of minutes, it just makes this team that much more dangerous. Because the thing that stands out about him, about both him and Rocco, is that they understand their roles perfectly. Norman Powell knows. I'm going to go out there. I'm there to score and I'm there to defend. I don't need to go and rebound. I don't need to go and facilitate for others. If I do that, it's extra. It's a cherry on top. Covington knows my job is to defend, rebound, get hands in passing lanes, deflections, and make open shots. That's pretty much it. And keep the ball moving offensively. He's not going out there trying to create his own offense or do any of that, but because they both know that they have fit perfectly into this system in place. And so, if Norman Powell, conti- if let's say the Clippers find a way to win, if Norm continues to work himself back into shape, he is going to be a necessary piece moving into the postseason. They are going to need whatever offense he can provide, and they're certainly going to need his defensive ability, which at six foot three, 215, he doesn't get pushed around very easily. So it'll be interesting to see just how he can play tonight and if he can play a little bit more of a larger workload.
1: By the way, our guy Herbert Jones actually just broke the New Orleans franchise all-time franchise rookie record for stocks. I did not Blee. realize that Bleels was, was an option when I wrote about yeah. that. And now that I, I have that I think
0: we listen, Jim, we gotta get we gotta get Bleels Street working, right? We gotta get something <laughs> like this happening. No one no one cares about stocks anymore. Everyone's on to NFTs, so why don't we get Bleals? I like it. I'm to
1: that know note. that I have that in my arsenal from now on. If anyone has any stocks. I mean, Bleal's record, you know, coming, I, I can, it's always good to have options. You know, when you're a writer, you don't want to use the same term all the time. So Bleal's it is. But yeah. I like it. La- lastly for me, I um, want to ask you about Luke Kennard. Um, what, what do you think his, what is his status right now? I saw that he's questionable and how much do you think they missed him Tuesday in Minnesota just to have that, that other, another weapon.
0: Definitely missed him. It Luke, When he was in Detroit, I think people saw the makings of what he could be in the league. They saw a dead-eyed shooter. They saw someone who actually has an ability to create off the dribble and facilitate for his teammates, but he couldn't quite stay healthy when he was in Detroit, and he's been fairly healthy since coming to the Clippers. Last year was, uh, I would call it an adjustment year for him, and he would be the first to tell you that as well. He said that he wasn't quite comfortable yet. He was still finding his way in LA. The Clippers put their faith into him by giving him that four-year contract extension before the season even began last year. And he's proven his worth and then some this season. He led the league in three-point percentage, 45%. He averaged about 12 points per game. And when they needed him to be a number one option, almost at times, he was. When guys were out with COVID, there was a game in Oklahoma City where Lou Dort was guarding him on the outside. He still had 27 on him. It was unbelievable. And he was doing it, in a variety of ways, getting inside, mid-range threes. So to see his development has been huge, and as a result, they really missed him the other night on Tuesday night in Minneapolis because his floor spacing creates so much for just him and everybody else. And we've really seen him blossom even further since Paul George had returned because there's less attention now on him. To the idea of having Luke Kennard out there with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is ridiculous because of the space he's get, either The defense is going to have to choose. You're picking your poison. You're either going to have to go and guard the best three-point shooter in the league and leave Kawhi Leonard or Paul George going one-on-one, or you double Kawhi RPG and leave the best three-point shooter in the NBA wide open, which he's going to knock down. He shot well over 50% on wide open threes this year. And so missing him was legit. As for his status, he's legitimate questionable. The hope is that he can give it a go. He can go through warm-ups and see how he feels, but... The Clippers are prepared with or without him. That's the key. It's It's been that way for years now with this team and certainly the last two seasons, that next man up mentality. So the hope is that he can, but they're not going to hold their breath. If he can't go, they will adjust, and guys like Amir Coffey will step up in his place.
2: So, Noah, before I let you go, what does this game come down to tonight? If you can pinpoint whether it's a key stat or whatever it is it might be, what does this game come down to tonight?
0: I honestly believe it comes down to Jonas Valanciunas. If Valanciunas is in rhythm and he's playing well and he's winning his matchup, I think that the Pelicans have the upper hand, but if the Clippers can contain him, you know that CJ and BI and those guys are going to probably get theirs. But if you can contain Valanciunas, you're giving yourself a chance. And if you remember the last time these two teams met just a little over a week ago, now Valanciunas ended up leaving that game at one point. He just, he didn't quite look like himself and the Clippers took full advantage. So If he can go out there and really leave his imprint on the game, I would say that the Pelicans are in a good spot. But if the Clippers can find a way, like they did with Carl Anthony Towns the other night, of taking him out, they're giving themselves a much better chance of competing.
2: All right. Should be a good one tonight between the Pelicans and the Clippers, 9 p.m. Central Time. Noah, I appreciate the time. I'm not going to say best of luck again. I'd be lying if I said that. But I will say have a great call, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Daniel, I, I would say I'd be lying if I told you I liked your shirt. So we're just all in agreement that we're not going to lie to each other. And uh, it's always good to talk to you guys. Hopefully uh, we'll do it again soon. But uh, I wish this was like a playoff series. We could actually talk to each other more often. Instead, yes. it's the one and done. And I really don't like
2: either of you right now. So believe <laughs> okay. will leave it at that. Well, at least I got you on the podcast. I can go back to Hayden. <laughs> so, thanks, Noah. I appreciate the time. All right, guys. Good up there from Noah Eagle. Yeah, Jim, I can offer myself here in New Orleans getting ready for tonight's game. We'll get to the particulars of tonight's game in just a little bit. But, Jim, uh, Noah mentioned a big key will be Jonas Valanciunas. I will have to agree with him. You remember that game uh, long ago where Jonas knocked down seven threes. I know his inside presence is more important, but Jonas can definitely do some damage um, against this Clippers team. What else sticks out to you as far as
1: what ways the Pelicans can walk out of Los Angeles with a win tonight. Yeah, I think the defensive end is going to be huge. I mean, and I, w- I was going to say that even before we knew that Paul George was out. Um, one quick thing, it's funny about Jonas, going back to him for just a split second, that he had 12, a, a total of 12 three-pointers in two of the games against the Clippers. He had a seven three-point make game and a five. And that, he No other game did he make more than three three-pointers the entire season. So it's kind of funny how um, much he loves to shoot threes against the Clippers. Not sure we're going to see that tonight. I mean, the amount of times that he's – his shot attempts from beyond the arc have definitely decreased as the season has gone on. That was more of an early season thing. And um, both of the games I referenced were actually back way back in November. But um, in terms of, to me, defensively, it was unique during the regular season against the Clippers that the Pelicans' two best defensive games in terms of points allowed were also both against the Clippers – the only two times that they held the team under 90 points all season, which, as we know, with how much scoring is increased and how offense is going through the roof, you never hold teams under 90 points anymore unless things are really off. So they did a great job in those games against L.A. Um, Paul George played, played in those games. Um, I feel like when I've heard some of the national analysis lately about the season series between the teams, people don't realize that. People have focused a ton on the most recent game where the Clippers really handed it to the Pelicans and Paul George had just come back from his injury, but he did play in the earlier games against new Orleans and the Pelicans were really successful. And I think this Pelicans team is so much better than the teams that played the Clippers in November and January and did well against them. So I think a huge key for new Orleans is to keep the Clippers down. I feel like new Orleans, you never know what's going to happen in one game, but new Orleans's offense has played at a level where you you would think that if you have a solid defensive night, you'll be able to generate enough offense to be able to win the game, especially with the way that CJ and Brandon Ingram play when they're both on the floor. And Jonas, those three guys had 81 combined points um, against the Spurs on Wednesday. So that's what I'm looking at. You, you hope, I mean, you never know any, like I said, anything can happen in one game, 48 minutes, but you hope that none of the Clippers kind of um, peripheral guys have a huge night, which a lot of them are capable of, as we discussed with Noah. Um, so that's the main thing. You just want to make sure that no one for them, because it seems like from their perspective, they, they're they going to need a guy or two to produce a lot more offense on average than what they did during the season to give themselves the best chance to be able to win this game. Jim, how excited does this fan base seem for this game tonight at uh, work? Going
2: to be at Tracy's for our watch party. Join us. Our pregame will begin at 8 o'clock there. We have multiple watch parties course, Pell's 12 and Mid-City Yacht Club. I mean, th- this fan base is buzzing right now. Between the atmosphere at the arena the other night, between everyone in the watch party, they're seeing ones gathered by T-Bob in Baton Rouge, other places around the city. It's been incredible to see this fan base really get going for this Pell squad.
1: Yeah, I liked what the official Pelicans NBA Twitter account tweeted. This One of the many things they tweeted that have been awesome the last few days, they said they responded to somebody and said, we want to have as many watch parties as are as humanly possible. I mean, it's cool to see that not only is the what we we want everybody that can get there to go to the one that you and Aaron will be at. But um, just to see in other cities, there's uh, watch parties springing up in Baton Rouge and Lafayette and so on and so forth. Um, I do think that the level I've talked about this with a few people, different fans that I've run into the last couple of days, the level of excitement to me is definitely at a level that we haven't seen since 2018. And to me, in some ways, I think the attachment that the fan base has to this particular group of guys in this roster is greater than what we saw in 2018, just based on the number of personalities and, and just likable guys that this roster has, not that the 2018 team didn't, but it's just a different thing. It's not something I think we've seen in the entire time I've been here. There's so many guys that are easy to root for, whether it's undrafted Jose Alvarado, second round pick Herb Jones, who's all business on the court and people just love the way he plays and his defense. Um, just go up and down CJ McCollum. I feel like is ready to run for office around here. Yeah, seriously. And, and I, he has my vote as well with some of the stuff that he said about the city. So um, it's just been incredible just to see, how much people are, like you said, people are excited. And and there's just a million reasons why people want to see this team be successful. And uh, the the players on the roster have, have also provided so many um, reasons why you want to see them do well and, and hopefully advance to the playoffs. I feel like it would be such a huge achievement, ba- especially based on the start of the season. And they'd be the first team in 20 something years to start one in 12 or worse and still make the playoffs. All right, so here we go, Jim. Pelicans and Clippers
2: tonight, 9 p.m. Central Time. You can watch it nationally on e- on TNT, I should say. Listen locally on ESPN New Orleans. Todd Need John Chaser, Aaron Summers have a call. And join us at Tracy's Watch Party. We'll have our pregame show starting at 8. We'll go all the way till 9. It'll be myself, Aaron Summers. Antonio Daniels will join for a little bit. Jim I can offer. Who knows who else will stop by. But Jim will sign autographs from 8 to 9.30 on some – Headshots that he hadn't made up, so make sure you stop by and get those for Jim. And uh, I'm ready. I'm pumped. Uh, I hate – the only thing I don't like is these games are starting so late that we have to wait this entire day to get going. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I love that we're still talking about Pelicans basketball on April 15th. That hasn't been the case in the last couple of years. So let's make it a good one, Jim.
1: And by the way, what would your reaction be if I did show up at Tracy's tonight with glamour shots of myself? I wouldn't be
2: surprised. I just know you so well that I just figured you'd have different colored Sharpies, gold, black, red and blue for the Pelicans. It wouldn't surprise me. So I'm surprised you probably would be charging the people too to sign them. So
1: I was worried that that was what your response was going to be. So thanks. Thanks. For I know that. You,
2: I know how you try to make a quick buck around here. I've seen you outside of stores <laughs> with your headshots there. I have one, too. So I get it. I get it. You're a popular guy, Jim. I'm just I'm just very gracious that you have just a few minutes every every one day, sure. Wednesday, Friday to spare to, to join me on the podcast.
1: All right. Well I'm headed to uh Kinkos or someplace <laughs> like that to get those made up right now. So I gotta go. I will I will see you in a few hours.
2: Is your action shot would you like writing or typing, I guess? You know? <laughs> yes, at a, at a laptop. Yep. At a laptop.
1: Or maybe like with maybe with like my hand on my head like like pondering yeah. basketball. That maybe that kind of thing.
2: I mean, he used to use a
1: typewriter back in the day, right? (laughs) (laughs) we got to end this podcast right now before I I get upset. We're we're getting off the rails here. (laughs) I hope you all enjoy the game. We'll have a
2: podcast in one way, shape, or form next week, whether it's a season recap. Hopefully, it's not. Hopefully, it's a preview of Pelicans and Suns. Remember, Pelicans win tonight. Pelicans and Suns Sunday at 8 o'clock Central. Another watch party will be there. We'll be at Rusty Nail on Sunday. Join us there if you can. Until then, for Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks to Noah Eagle. And thanks for listening to the Pelican Podcast presented by C.